Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business of Design, episode 170. I'm so glad you're here. Write your book. Come on, do it. I'm going to interview interior design professional Anna Karen McNamara from Sydney, Australia. And she did. She wrote her book. It's called Make a Home to Love. And during the interview, Anna Karen shares what I think is a great line. A book is a business card on steroids. That's really great incentive to sit down and define and refine your expertise own your process, and write your own book. Anna Karen was at a seminar and someone suggested that she write a book and the idea noodled around with her for a while. And finally, she realized she really wanted to focus not only on her expertise, but also to promote her Scandinavian heritage. And you can really see that through the book. It's beautifully written, beautifully illustrated, gorgeous photos of her own design projects. So she's going to talk about why she wrote the book and how she uses the book and also is going to leave all of us with the idea that if this is something you've been thinking of doing, you know, now might be a really good opportunity to do that. We taped this episode of the podcast quite a few months ago before we were all in lockdown. So Towards the end of the interview, you're going to hear that we've got a contractor arriving to our condo in Santa Monica, and we just let them in and they walk around. And as I was listening to it again, I realized how different things are now. You know, you don't just get a knock on the door and open the door wide and say, come on in. I miss that. And I know I'm not alone. I do think it's comforting, though. Here we are. Anna Karen, all the way in Sydney. I'm now currently in Toronto. I don't know where you are, but we are connected. And we are going through a similar process in our business and in our lives. And I'm so glad I don't have to do that alone. I need you guys. I also need Cheryl Horn, who's got some announcements. Hey, Cheryl. How are you? Hey, Kimberly. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And uh, if I'm honest, I will also say I don't feel quite as crazy rushed this week. That's a nice feeling. It's been really pedaling as fast as I can the last few months. Well, it feels like it's going to be a quieter week. This is our first week with no webinar in what feels like a very, very long time. Um, But it's certainly not a week off for us. We've got so much happening but behind the scenes, I know we've mentioned on a few of the webinars that we are uh, working on a new site for Business of Design, a lot of new initiatives. You know, launch date uh, isn't until August, but so much work goes into this between the, the content and the restructuring. We will be rolling out new levels of membership, but as always for our current members, they will be rolled into a level of higher value without their rate changing. So, you know, we've always committed to that and we will continue to do so. So lots happening behind the scenes, but it is a week off in terms of webinars. Next week, however, we do have the second part of phase two of Business of Design's five-phase recovery program. That is happening next Wednesday, May 20th, and registration is 
remains open. You'll notice for the five-phase recovery program that we are only opening registration for one webinar at a time. The dates are listed for future webinars, but that is subject to change. Um, and Kimberly, maybe you can explain a little bit about why we've decided to do it that way. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, the truth is the situation we find ourselves in right now is still dynamic. It's fluid, right? And so I wanted to give myself permission to modify the content of Business of Design's five-phase recovery program as I learn more. I'm working with a couple of coaches on my own interior design business, which I had already started doing before this whole pandemic. Thank you so much. And as I'm learning more, I would like to be able to teach you guys more. So I just wanted to give myself that fluidity if that's okay, but it's still a five-phase recovery program and we want you there. And the following week, May 27th, we have our group coaching session. And then a couple days after group coaching, we have business of design, interior design packages. So this webinar is two hours long. It is the first webinar that we are um, not putting out for free. It's really valuable content. Um, so much has gone into this program and it's been uh, in the works for so long. And we did initially launch this seminar series at the Business of Design Conference. So on the site, registration is $2.95 for the two-hour seminar. It does include Kimberly's contract. But if you attended the Business of Design Conference, uh, please reach out to me if you have not already seen my email with the private link to register. There is a preferred rate for those who attended at the conference uh, because we did initially present this there. So maybe you can just tell everyone a little bit about about what you're going to be covering on that May 29th webinar and um, how that sort of differs and how much is the same from that conference presentation. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, at the Business of Design conference in January, I had 50 minutes to talk about packages, which really wasn't enough time. Since then, I've added more information. And I think the big takeaway is you're going to leave this webinar with my contract, the contract I use for packages. We'd love for you to participate. It means a lot to us that you support business of design and the work we do. And we are nowhere near slowing down. So much to do. Well, before I go, there is one thing that I wanted to share with you. I've been emailing with so many members between the recovery program, just membership in general. Um, as well, we have a lot of people signing up for the um, the business of design packages, interior design packages webinar. And I got a really nice note from Joanne who is joining us for, um, the packages webinar, but has also been joining us for the other webinar series we're doing. And, uh, Joanne said, looking forward to this one. Everything you guys are doing lately is so appreciated. BOD has really stepped up for the community, making membership worth every penny. So that was just, you know, we do these webinars, but so much time is going into the back end and putting all of this um, forward and making this possible. So um, it was really nice to get that uh, acknowledgement and that thank you. Um, and thanks to Joanne and everyone else who uh, has been joining us for all of these webinars. So thanks. And we'll talk to you soon. Oh, wow. That was, that was lovely. Thank you, Joanne. And also thank you, Cheryl Horn, who makes everything work so seamlessly. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. 
Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. And now, let me tell you a little bit more about Anna Karin McNamara. She's an interior designer, born in Sweden. She has a master's degree in interior design from the Royal College of Art in London. She is the founder and director of Anna Karin Design Studio, a Sydney-based interior design studio that specializes in high-end residential Scandinavian interiors. I mentioned she is the author of Make a Home to Love, How to Bring Joy and Order and Beauty into Your Home the Scandinavian Way, a book that inspires the reader to make the most of spaces they have. Such a good time to pick up a book like that. Anna's work has been featured in a number of publications, including Vogue Living, Bell, Habitus Living, Home Beautiful, and Australian House and Garden. You can find Anna at AnnaKarenDesign.com.au or on Facebook, Anna Karen Design, Instagram, Anna Karen Design. All of the information in the show notes, including a link to her beautiful book, Make a Home to Love. Enjoy the episode and listen in as she talks about the fact that there is no such thing as intuition. That skill set you have, that expertise you have, it is knowledge. You did not receive it through osmosis or genetics. There's a process behind it, and we all need to value the skills we've developed and earned. She says sitting down to write a book can really help you own it. Enjoy the show. Anna Kern, how are you today? I am really good, Kimberly. I think I messed up your name, even though you sent me a link to the perfect pronunciation. So it's a very thick Swedish male accent, and he says like Anna Karen. Is yeah, that that's close? Perfect. Anna Karen. Yeah, Anna no, Karen. that's good. Anna Karen. It's perfect. It's a beautiful oh. name, and you were actually born in Sweden. I'm born in Sweden. Yes, I am. Beautiful. I'm in Australia about 25 years ago now. Nice. And so it's Thursday in Australia. It's Wednesday in Santa Monica, but it's Thursday in Australia. That always just yeah. kind of blows my mind. That I know. It's Thursday morning. It's like 7.30 in the morning. It's quarter to eight. Oh my gosh. It's end of, well, it's midday, like three o'clock-ish um, here. Oh, what am I talking about? No, it's one o'clock here. It's almost <laughs> one o'clock here. <laughs> Feels like early in the morning though somehow. Well, Anna and I became, and you go by both names, right? So Anna, Karen, and I became connected through uh, a mutual friend. And um, you had mentioned when we were first having a conversation that you'd written a, a book. And I thought, oh, what kind of book? And now I have the exact beautiful book in my hand. And... It's called Make a Home to Love. So what prompted you to write a book? Because I know people think they want to write a book, but they rarely do. Well, I, I went to a, um, like a business seminar. It was a group of um, small businesses, and this guy was talking, and he said, often if we start a business, we're sitting on a mountain of knowledge, and we have an opportunity to communicate that knowledge in some way. And the best way to communicate it is to concentrate it all and write a book because a book is then also useful 
for our business. So it was um, not just to write a book for the purpose of it, but it was also to help my business. And that's the way he explained it. And it triggered me and it took me a while to do it. But that was the first sort of seed. I didn't write it straight away, but that kind of lodged in my mind somehow. Hmm, what kind of mountain of knowledge do I sit in? And I initially thought, well, nothing really. I just do what I do. And I don't really have anything unique to say. And then the more I thought about it, well, you know, why do I do what I do and how do I do it? And that's kind of how the idea first sort of came to me. So the motivation then to write the book was a suggestion from someone who thought that that putting down this expertise in writing would do two things. It would service a community that you want to reach out to, but it would also help you to maybe focus or sharpen or be aware of, I guess, what your expertise is. Is that fair to say? Yes, exactly. Because once you sit down, and I don't know, you've you've written books, so I, you, you probably know what I'm talking about, but it's not really until you have to sit down and focusly think and structure your processes in writing that you actually become aware of the processes that you have. And another thing he said as well in that talk was that there's no such thing as intuition because you, you might think you act with intuition, but if you, you actually break down that process, there is a process to your intuition as well. It might be based on 25, 30, 10 years of experience and you think, oh, I just know that that line should be on that level or that chair should sit in that place or it should be that color. But there is a thought process that we have gone through to come to that decision. So what is that process? So think about that process and write it down as you make all decisions. And through that, you, um, you develop your framework of how you work, which then can be written into a, a book or a manual or a course or anything. That's so interesting. I never thought of that way, but it's so true. You're just sort Mm -hmm. of tapping into a subconscious pool of expertise that you just take for granted. And when we take something for granted, we don't value it. And that speaks to most of us out there in the world. We think, oh, anybody could do what I do. But in fact, that isn't true. Yeah, exactly. And particularly as creative professionals, because it's maybe we ourselves think and other people also possibly see it as, oh, well, they were just kind of born with that and they have that natural ability, but there is very little natural ability. Everything has kind of evolved through obviously an interest in something, but that's also then created a, a, a framework and a process that we work with. So I was thinking I might end up asking you this at the end, but it seems appropriate mm-hmm. now. <laughs> What would you say to someone thinking of writing a book? Is it a good idea? Is, it, is there value in writing the book? I think there is tremendous value for yourself. Maybe not in the sense that this book is going to, you know, become a million, you know, copies bestseller, but to have to go through that discipline in yourself and writing it and becoming clear on what you're about is incredibly valuable. I think that the book itself now, I see, yeah, that was great, but what it gave me personally and how I um, had to refine and define my thinking was beyond anything that I've ever done. 
I look at your book and I think, like a lot of people do when they pick up a, a beautifully finished book, that it's so simple. But describe the process of actually writing the book, because I think that's where some people quit. They think, I'm going to write a book, and they sit down with a blank page, and they spend 45 minutes, and they go, this is too hard. So describe what it's actually like to produce something like this. Well, I think, first of all, I thought, you know, most designers, most interior designers, not you, Kimberly, because your books are incredibly formative, um, informative, and, and you gain knowledge from them. Most interior designers do coffee table books with their work, yeah. which is absolutely, you know, obviously the, maybe the most um, obvious thing to do. But I knew that I didn't really want to do just a coffee table book of my work because that can be seen on the website or anywhere else if you come across it. I really wanted to make it into something that people who might not want to use a designer, they are really interested in design, they want to do something with the place that they have, they can't afford or they don't want to or they don't really in a position where they feel a designer is for me. So how could I offer them a tool in some ways of creating something with the spaces that they have. So that was the idea. And I actually had the idea one night, I woke up at three in the morning, you know how you have those things. Oh gosh, I know it. Yeah, I know, I know it because it's kind of how I do it myself. If I move in somewhere, I look at everything, I remove things. I, so I then all of a sudden started to feel the process and that became the chapters. So it starts with reevaluate your space. So review what you have and think really about what it is that you have, and then it goes on. And it's not until chapter seven that I talk about design. Because before then, there are so many things that you can do, and then, oh, maybe I need to redesign, maybe I need to do something. So that kind of was the framework. And once I had the framework and the chapters, I actually shared an office at the time with a dear friend of mine. She was sitting and looking, sharing a desk in our office, and she's a writer, and she was my kind of coach. And as you know, having a coach in anything you do, someone who's done it before is invaluable. You know, you wouldn't attempt to do anything like sports or music or anything like that without a teacher and a coach. So she acted as my writing coach. So every day at a certain time, I had to dedicate one hour and I had to write a thousand words. And I did that for 30 days. Wow. Like, 30 days, Monday to Sunday, every day I wrote a thousand words around anything. So I would look at my list of the things that I had, you know, structured before with the chapters and what I wanted to say to some degree in each. And then I just did a brain dump on that chapter without any coherency, not in order, just anything I could think of. And a memory might come up from something that from my childhood or my experience or clients that I've worked with, and that would just go into this brain dump. So at the end of 30 days, I had 30,000 words, which is a standard kind of book, not a fiction, but a nonfiction book. I love it. It doesn't matter how simple it looks. The fact of the matter is there is somebody who put a lot of time and effort into making that beautiful book happen. I love that you structured your day and you scheduled it and it became a priority because let's face it, if we waited around until we had time to write the book, we're never going to write the book. No. So what would you say to somebody, so there's this value in understanding your own value and expertise. What's the value once the book is written to other clients, to attracting clients or to letting clients know your expertise? 
Can you talk about that? Well, I think as soon as you have put down your thoughts in a book like that and publish it, it immediately gives you a, an, an authority in that subject. Oh, wow, you've written a book. You must know what you, um, what you talk about. And this very much come down to, so when I did, you know, our mutual friend Blair, when I did, so I've done their coaching, the Win Without Pitching coaching, and it was when I started their training that I, um, I had already written the manuscript when I started, but I hadn't done anything. It was just sitting there and I hadn't really, oh, well, it's too hard now. What do I do? And then he drilled into me and Shannon around the importance of positioning and the expertise and having that um, sort of, support in your own mind around that I'm an expert and I know what I'm talking about. So then having the book and giving that to a client when we first meet immediately put, you know, me in the position of, oh, okay, you've done this before, you know what we're doing, you've thought about it, you've written it down. So it's it's giving that confidence and both for myself and I think it can put clients at ease to think, okay, I can feel I'm, I'm safe kind of here to give all this money and my home into this person's hands because they've, they've got some thoughts around what they're doing. And I think the other thing that it's done as well for, um, for me and for the business is that it's, 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 it's amazing exposure to launch a book and to market it. There's been, there was a, you know, a media around it. People write articles about it. I was asked to be on a at the morning show and talk about it. And I got to be, uh, I was approached to be an ambassador for some Swedish brands. And so that's, it's, it's a, this, it's a business card on steroids. I love that. It's a business card on steroids. So I can imagine you going to the consultation the first time you meet the client and you hand over this beautiful gift. So you're going to have to raise your consultation rate so you can buy your own books, which is great. (laughs) But you hand over this beautiful gift and whether or not the project goes forward, you've left behind this beautiful a promotion for your services, which no doubt a client is going to share with other friends and family members when they come through. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That's sort of the idea. So rather than leaving just a business card, you have something that is there and can be referred to. And it's the sort of book as well that you can just flick through and read a bit of a chapter here and there. It's not something it's reading from front to cover. You can do that, but it is meant to be a support in creating our homes. And I believe, as you do, like I think all of us design professionals, that our home is one of the most, you know, it's the cornerstone of our society. It's, it's very much where we, you know, find nurture and strength and rejuvenation. And to be able to help people to create that is a, you know, it's a privilege. What a beautiful idea. The the concepts in the book are evergreen. There's no time limit on them. The photos are classic and beautiful. Are all the photos from your own projects? Yes. All the photos are from, you know, our own projects for the last sort of five, eight years. So that's important then as well. You wouldn't necessarily want to produce a book. The very first book I ever wrote that was published is a horrible hot mess look of a book and it's because I was naive and I was approached by a publisher and I wrote the words for the book but they chose the pictures and the pictures are 
make your eyes bleed horrible. (laughs) So uh, that was a very painful lesson to finally get my hands on the book and say, no. So don't do that. Never allow someone else to choose pictures for your book. I think that's, I, I actually didn't want any picture either initially. I was. I only wanted illustrations. So in the book is a combination of photos and illustration. And once I got a publisher, we took a while as well, by the way, that took like a year or more to find a publisher who wanted to publish it because I was considering self-publishing, but I felt it would be nice to not, because I don't know how to do it, and to go through that journey as well when you're, you know, you're busy, busy doing other things. That's not my... It's not my game. It's not what I'm doing. But anyway, so the publisher convinced me to use photos from our project, even though I felt that that maybe that's not. I wasn't promoting my work. I was promoting my thinking behind my work. Mm-hmm. But then I guess the the work to some degree supports the thinking to show. Okay, it's legitimate. It's not just a something that I made up. Here's proof that okay, I've applied these principles in certain you know in in projects that we've done. But the illustrations were what I was most excited about because that's where I felt it could be more, that each area could be explored in more detail. And it's an architect friend of mine who did the the illustrations that supports each chapter and gives an idea of what is happening in each chapter. It's a labor of love. So if you're thinking of this, I would I would think that the publisher did you a huge service in suggesting you use fo- photographs of your own projects because I just don't think you can visualize um, what you can see so readily in a in an image that's been captured and created. So you so you will need to put aside funds to photograph projects that speak to what you're trying to teach and create. I think there are probably people listening who are thinking like, I would love to do it, can't do it now. So I'm wondering if uh, somebody could, for example, produce a a small magazine maybe that features their work to leave that behind with clients. We used to, we used to refer to promoganda, which was an article from a magazine we had been in recently, or, you know, something we would leave behind with customers, but I never left behind a book because of course my books are for designers, not for the clients. Mm -hmm. I think a brochure or a little leaflet or something, I think anything, I know everything is digital these days and that's why it's almost even more valuable to have something tactile and a beautiful produced little magazine or even a brochure with two, three pages that just gives a snapshot. This is what we're about. And, I think the, you know, for designers as well to find a way of positioning and showing how you're thinking is something that can be so well portrayed in a brochure or a book. This is our process. This is how we work and leave that behind and then, oh, okay. And then if, if you, they sign on and work with it, they can refer back on that and say, oh, this is where we're at. Oh, I should be relaxed now because we're in the middle of a project. Nothing is happening and I'm you know, tearing my hair, but then you're, oh, they've said here that, oh, this process is when you're going to be most frustrated because you think nothing is happening and everything happening behind, you know, so... And I've had uh, experience with being published and doing self-publishing, and self-publishing mm. today is so easy. So if you can park the idea that you're going to be on the New York Times bestseller list aside, mm. if you can put that aside, um, self-publishing is a really satisfying way to do it and very affordable. Like it's crazy affordable mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. nowadays. 
But I do think you want to hire some experts because there's a, like I've seen some of the magazines that are produced by the marketing experts out there fishing for interior design experts and they are horrific. Like it's just yeah. very poor quality publishing. So um, I do think you want to make sure you're putting aside funds for an expert so, so you can do it Absolutely. right. Absolutely. I mean, I paid two editors. Once I've done that dump wording, I um, used one editor and I felt she didn't quite understand the language and then I found another one. So I actually used two different editors before I felt that it was good enough to present and send out to, um, to publishers. And then the publisher edited it again. So it went through, you know, three, four, and then I edited it in between. So it took from that first sort of manuscript um, it took, you know, I think a year and a half until I felt it was ready to actually be, be, be sent out and the synopsis and the, the idea behind it. And then once the publisher took it on, it was another year again until it was ready to be printed. So it's not an overnight thing. It's, a, it's kind of a labor of love in many ways. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. That's for sure. Yes. Yes, yes. So the book starts with reviewing, and we can approach that in two ways. We can approach that, of course, as the designer who's going to be reviewing the client's goods and services, or goods mm-hmm. and um, situations, setting, home, etc. But mm-hmm. we can also think about it in our own homes, because I find sometimes I'm so focused on doing projects for other people, if I'm not careful, I can let my own environment kind of slip and get disorganized. Absolutely. I mean, so the, 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 the idea or the purpose with the reviewing is to look at everything that is there and why it's there and how did, what made, what, how did this thing still make you feel and why are you keeping it or what is working? So it's really about doing, it's like a, a doctor wouldn't prescribe anything until they've done a real full diagnosis. So this is like a home diagnosis. You kind of you go through every room, you think about everything that is working, not working, what, what could be changed, improved, what do I need to do for this to make, how would I want to feel in this space that I'm not feeling right now? So that's kind of the first step to do that diagnose of the space, whether it's as a professional designer or I'm writing to a clientele who will do it themselves, so to, you know, a... Um, someone who just wants to improve their home. So, but as you say, it could be used by a designer as well. And that's probably all how we already do it. And a lot of these things are, you know, you think about it, it's not uh, unique ideas. We all probably use these um, things that I write about, but it's the notion of sitting down and thinking about it that kind of really anchors them as well. Well, and there's definitely process here. So the first, one of the first chapters is review, and then we go on to remove, yep. recycle, restore. Recycle. Yeah. Uh, I know rejoice is at the end, yes. but there's some hard <laughs> work in the middle. You know, re- there's a bit of hard work in yeah, the middle. Yeah, yeah reacquire. Yeah. Describe the aim. process the of reacquire. Important. That's the most important one, I think, actually, because um, it's in the reacquiring that we make or break what the result is going to be because the reason you have to remove things is that you haven't been conscious in your acquiring. So there's, as you know, this big trend in decluttering and removing and 
the Marie Kondo method and everything. And the reason that is, it's because we buy too many things unconsciously. So I very much think that the reacquiring is the most important chapter. And then once we acquire things that we, we are very, we know why we buy them. We don't just buy them to kind of fill some sort of or scratch an itch that we have because we are just wanting to buy something. We have made a considered choice. It, it's often not, it doesn't matter the price of it. It's more that it's really, I love this thing and I know it's going to work and I can see this being an heirloom to my children. I'm going to live with it almost for the rest of my life because I believe in sustainability as a the means of, you know, built and bought to last. So it's not the the cheap thing to satisfy need, but something that is going to be there long term. And then it's quality enough so that it can be restored where if it breaks or if something happens to it and living with things for a long time. So I guess if I go back to the first question I asked you, would you recommend people write a book? The answer is yes. And so what I want to ask you next is would you write the book again if you had the opportunity? And if so, would you write it differently? And then a follow-up to that is, is there going to be a book number two? <laughs> would I write? I mean, it's, it's, I read it now that, oh gosh, that's not, oh my God, that, oh, this is so embarrassing. How could I write that? So I want to rewrite it because you can always refine things and make them better. I'm incredibly, um, proud I think that I actually went through with it because I must admit I didn't myself believe that it was when I sat there and wrote oh yeah this is a pie in the sky it's not going to happen but there was something in me that prompted me to keep doing it and uh, will there be a second book I would love to actually do a second book yes and I think it um, it will follow on in it but the, the processes will be more refined and I think possibly a slightly bigger size I can see it in my head I don't know quite exactly what it's about but I, yeah, I would love to do another one. And I probably will. You I just know. have the soul of an artist because I've never known an artist who finished a painting or a photograph and thought that's perfect and it will <laughs> ever, forevermore be perfect, no. right? Most of us, when we finish something that's a labor of love, we go, oh, it's done. Yay. I'm fabulous. Wait a minute. Oh my gosh. That's the worst thing ever. Who would buy that, right? <laughs> I know. But do you feel that when you finished one of your, you know, design project? Do you ever feel, oh my gosh, there's nothing here that could be approved? A hundred percent. I feel that way sometimes. And we've never really talked about that on the podcast. I finished a job a couple of years ago and I thought, I wish I could do this again because I would do it differently. It's not that it was, it was lovely and they're super happy there. But you know, when a job takes a year and a half, a lot changes and you change and how you feel changes. And, and at the end of the day, when you finally see it, Sometimes there's little tweaks I want to change. And what I yeah. what I will do sometimes is when I do the photography, I will move things around a little bit and I will buy a few more pieces and add them in and the clients invariable, invariably purchase those things. Yeah. And I'll just say there's just something about looking through it, looking through a lens that sharpens your focus and lets you know what's missing or what's needed. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a process. Kind of, there's always something that can, oh, maybe I should have done that. And you sort of reevaluate and reassess it. Or, oh, if I do it again, I might just change that a bit. And yeah. 
We are in the process of rewriting, we're we're finishing writing the operations manual for business of design. And that task has highlighted so many areas that we could be more clear in, in the books. And so the minute we finish rewriting the operations manual, the books will undergo a rewrite just to tidy up the language, yeah. streamline yeah. things. You know, we've learned yeah. more in the last, you know, Business of Design launched in 2004. There's, wow. I've learned a lot since then. So that has yeah. to all come into it now. So I think, you know, it's a process. <laughs> it's a process. We're never going to be done. No, no. Oh, I'm excited about your new process manual. Is it an operations manual, did you say? It's the operations manual. Yeah, it's really, it's how we run the office from start Mm. to finish. And the way that we had it um, was kind of an ad hoc document, a thousand pages built Mm. over, you know, 12, 15 years a page gets added as needed. And then suddenly when it was time to get it organized for a business of design community, it's like, oh my gosh, no, this has to be so much more streamlined and organized. And, um, you know, it's, it's now it's not just for my eyes and the people who work for me. Now it's for people to judge. That's the word, you know, right? Like when you let go of a book, when you, when you let go of your beautiful book, there is part of you that's aware that people are going to judge that book. Yep. Yeah. And they're going to think, and oh my gosh, what are they going to think about this? Have I, if I, how am I going to be perceived having put these words down? And, you know, no, there's a lot of, yep, angst that goes with putting your work out there. But I can tell you as someone who's received it and read it and enjoyed it, that it is absolutely perfect the way it is and you don't need to change anything. And I mean, if all I do is interior design and if it made me stop and think about it, that's a great thing. Hold on one second. Yeah, Come sure. on in. Hi. We're ha- we're in the middle of a renovation. I don't know if you can see all this. <laughs> I can see the wall. I can see the yeah. Hi. Sorry about that. We're, we're having... It's the craziest thing. We can't get a permit because we don't have a fire safety plan. And no companies wants to really come out and do a single unit fire safety plan. They want to do the whole building, but the whole building isn't ready. Um, oh, wow. So, is this your office? or is this No, your... this is my condo in Santa Monica. Oh, this is it. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Anyway, it's all good. I think they're all okay. done. Good. Yeah, all right. Good. We like to end every episode with design intervention, just a great piece of business advice. And it doesn't have to be related to publishing a book, by the way. Okay. Well, the greatest piece of advice that I have received is from Blair Enns and Shannon from Women Are Pitching. And it is before any meeting or any interaction you have with a client or anyone else in that sense is to reiterate in your mind the Jedi mindset, which is number one, I'm the expert, I am the prize, which means that I have expertise that is valuable for you. Number two, I'm on a mission to help, which is really your purpose and why you're doing this. And my purpose is to bring more joy, order and beauty into the world and knowing that that's why I'm here. Number three, I can only do that if you let me lead, which means you need to trust me. Let's go on this journey together. I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to take you through this journey of renovating or designing your home. I've done it before. 
let me lead, let me guide you through this. Number four is, I understand it all will not follow and that's okay. Because even more so with the positioning, which also comes from that advice, is that not everyone is going to be liking my type of design or my niche that I'm focusing on. And that's fine. I don't need to satisfy everyone. Those who want it will follow, right? Not necessarily those who need it because lots of people need it, but those who want it will follow. We just had Blair on the show. um, I think it was only... I was a handful of podcasts ago where he shared the Jedi. I keep calling the Jedi mantra because I turned it into a mantra, but it is the Jedi mon- mindset. Absolutely Jedi right. Mindset. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. good. So good. Yeah, so it's really good. lovely to talk to you. Thank you Likewise. so much. Likewise, Kimberly. Thank you so much. I'm delighted that uh, I've been able to have this lovely chat to you. And well, I love your work. Thank you. And, and likewise... and. Yeah, such an asset to the interior design community. There's been nothing like it. And we all, you know, we're a tribe and we need to be there to support each other. And you're, you know, amazing at doing that. So thank you for your work. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy a free introductory course which includes three business of design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a business of design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.